welcome to Ana Conversations with Myanmar. If you'd like to add your voice to the conversation here at Ana, please reach out to us through any of our social media platforms or you can email us directly. This conversation features Soya Min, an entertainment artist manager and host of the Popular Opinions and Thoughts podcast from Myanmar. Soya like so many people in Myanmar, has found his life completely upended since the coup in February this year. No longer able to do his work, he decided to try to do something productive amid the current crisis by retraining as a mental health professional. Here he talks about the impact the coup has had on his life, the importance of a healthy mind and body, the helplessness people who are not in a position to join the PDFs feel, and how he believes keeping the spirit of the revolution in your heart and helping however you can will be the key to victory in the battle to regain Myanmar. Let's start the conversation. Hello. Hi. Hello. How are you? I'm fine. Uh, nice meeting you. You too. Um, we might just start with you maybe telling us just so our listeners can kind of understand who you are and and maybe your life yeah. leading up to, to... Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'll tell my story. Okay. My name, as you know, is Soya Me. Uh, you can call me Soya. And I come from, uh, how to say, middle class uh, in Myanmar. My family is not very uh, wealthy or rich or anything, but my parents like work hard enough to give me a good education. And I get a chance to study abroad and that kind of background I have. And as for my professional life, I work as a, a travel agent. And later I become a, how to say, artist manager and event organizer and, uh, along that line. Yeah, that's until this coup happened. Yeah. And I started my own podcast like during the COVID because I was listening to a lot of podcasts at that time. And then I thought, okay, this is something new. This is something I can do easily. So that's why I started my own podcast called uh, Opinions and Thoughts. Because at that time, as far as I know, uh, there wasn't any podcast or anything like that in Myanmar. So I started my own podcast and like I started talking to people. Yeah, that's about it. Then, yeah, everything's fall apart <laughs> in February. Yeah, that's the story. Yeah. Talk to us, so yeah, a little bit about February and those initial feelings that you had, because obviously I'm assuming that you would have experienced a little bit of life under military rule previously. So were you kind of afraid of what you were going to be going back to? Yeah, of course. That's why I was so, how to say, mad, angry, yeah, sad, everything. Because, you know, okay, what I understand was they had everything, you know. Our democracy was just fake, you can call it, because there's non-elected members in the parliament and stuff you know so we knew this is not the perfect system and they had everything the military had everything you know all the businesses everything so why would they do a coup you know that doesn't make sense to me at all because from my perspective they have everything and from the stories i have later i found out that this is all about may online's his personal ambitions that's why he did this coup. So, yeah, I was very confused and angry at the start because I saw some tanks, big trucks, you know, moving around in Yangon like a few days before. 
So my friends and my colleagues are saying that, oh, the military is going to take over. I'm like, this is stupid. Why would they do that? You know, <laughs> then things happen. So I was just going to say, because when you said it, that would be stupid if there was a coup. It just took me back to an article I read right at the beginning that called it the stupid coup because they had so much power behind the scenes. Yeah. Um, and it, it just really explained it really well that, you know, there was no reason really that things were going their way in a lot of ways because they behind the scenes had a lot of control and a lot of power. So stupid coup is something that I remember, remember it being referred to initially. And now nine months down the line, um, stupid just isn't a strong enough word for the atrocities that they've, they've committed. So how's your personal everyday life been affected by this? It's really hard uh, for me, and I know there are people out there like me. You know, um, I was doing good, not like great, but I was doing good on a. I was doing, I was doing my own thing, and I don't have to worry about my, you know, family or anything. I'm living my own life, and suddenly things just boom. Now you have to deal with this. So yeah, I used to go out a lot. Now I leave my house. For only things that, that I really need to do. No more like going to coffee shops or whatever, you know. I find it like, okay, going around in the city also feels like, how to say, it's lifeless or something like that. Cause oh, I see people, but we all know what's going on, but we, we didn't say anything, you know. We, uh, that's, that feeling kind of sucks, you know. You know what's going on and like people just pretend it's, nothing going on you know is that because people are scared to be honest with each other in the yeah street? yeah yeah that's very true because now like everybody's looking at each other like oh is he is he Dala or something you know uh that's very i would say not good for me personally i i don't like that feeling yeah that's that's how i see the world right now everyone's uh, afraid of each other like they don't say what what's really on their mind or anything, you know. Even with friends, they're afraid, oh, okay, if I say something, he might think uh, I'm something, something, you know. Those kinds of things are, like, creeping into our head, you know. Before this, everyone was just like, okay, whatever, they, they say whatever on their mind, you know. Yeah. How about your work situation? Has your work situation been affected by the coup at all? Of course, I work, as, as I mentioned before, like in events, travels, and also managing artists, performers. So I have left that, how to say, I've been building a kind of a, a media company or a record label of some sort, but now everything's gone. Can't do anything like, you know, because entertainment, uh, even when COVID hits, we know, okay, our sector will be the last that will get back on the scene and do business, you know. The COVID case also hits the events and entertainment, the, how do you call it, gig economy. I think that's what they call in the West, maybe, yeah. So um, that gig, the entertainment sector is like completely wiped up because of like COVID and now uh, coup. But now some clubs and bars are like operating again and people are blaming them because why, why are you doing that? But what I see is they need income, you know, to survive and to donate or whatever, to support their family, their loved ones. I don't blame them, uh, you know, but like people on Facebook mostly and like people are saying stuff like, oh, they should, uh, they, they are, not. how to say, uh, it's not fair to just blame them, you know. 
because you you can say okay you can find another line of work or switch your job or whatever but for some people it's really difficult you know they have invested like four or five years of their maybe some people maybe 10 to 20 years invested in this life and then suddenly you can't do your job anymore that's not fair for them and so I have switched but I have moved on I see okay personally I don't see like I can't do anything right now in that sector. So I attended this uh, mental health training and I'm now volunteering as a mental health counselor. And I aim to pursue this career further onwards and grow my podcast more. Yeah, that's what I've been doing right now. I just wanted to ask Soya, but before we move into uh, maybe the mental health, just to go back to what you were saying there, because it's actually quite interesting and we haven't really talked about that much is the kind of people getting on with their jobs and people going out and doing things because it is quite a, a tricky one because for some people, they've given up everything. They're not going to work anymore. You know, we saw teachers doing CDM, doctors, engineers, so many people have sacrificed so much. So when I think of those, I can see their frustration with other people because they've given up everything. You know, we need to feed our families too, but we've stopped and you're going to work. So you're not helping our situation. But I see the other side too, where people have to keep going. So I just wonder, yeah, it's a a difficult one. It's not so straightforward, um, but it must be hard to watch people continuing when you've given up and other people are, are holding on to everything they had, you know? Uh, I get, I get that. Yeah. Just like. I get both sides too. I understand the CDM people and everything uh, who have gone to the to be in the PDF. I have also friends in the PDF, so I understand how people see things differently. But as long as we have this awareness and this spirit to continue, however you can to support this revolution, I think that's fine. We need to have an understanding of each other. If not, it's easy for the other side to like use this to manipulate, uh, divide. That really can happen. And I think it's already happening right now, I think. And do you think that some people who are going back to work is not, it's not necessarily a means of giving up or not supporting the movement? It's just they need to keep going and survive. And this is all they know how to do. So, so you're kind of saying we need to kind of understand that going to work does not mean you support the military and not everyone can do CDM, even for financial reasons, or maybe mentally, or not everyone is equipped to do that, I think, you know? Yeah, uh, but the only thing we need is all the military officer and uh, the soldiers to leave the military, then they will have no power. Because now, from what I understand, is not in Yangon, but I think in some areas like Makui, uh, near Monday, some places, the, how do you say uh, civil government, uh, the structure, their township. I, I don't know how, how they call it in English, but it's called uh, something and uh, those kind of civilians that runs the operation for the townships, you know. I think uh, it's a, a ward administrator. Yeah, yeah. Now nobody's running those offices so nobody's running those already so that what administrations are now how to say collapsed i think in some parts of the country that's a good sign as long as you don't support this machine to run you can do other jobs you know so whatever work that is not connected to running this country efficiently you can uh work i think like you know delivery people 
those people need to go to work, you know, salesmen at a shop or waiters, you know, those people need jobs. They have to work, you know. So as long as you don't become the cog in the machine for the military, I'm fine. Yeah. I'm just thinking, so yeah, in, in terms of like just the picture that you're painting, like, you know, the coup happening, life being turned upside down and, and even nine months in this no way of getting back to anything normal, this fear that people have and not being able to connect with people. So that's obviously having an impact on people's mental health. And, and I know this is obviously something you're quite interested in yourself. How do you cope? Have you found ways to cope? Uh, yeah, I practice uh, meditation and I stay away from Facebook as much as possible. And yeah, that's uh, that's how I've been coping. And reading a lot of books helps too, I guess. And music, music is part of my life. One big part of my life, I have to say. So music also helps. I think actually Facebook is a very good suggestion just to remove yourself from Facebook. I think that's probably the best advice you could give anyone who is looking after their mental health. It's just not a very good space, especially in Myanmar right now. There's just so much propaganda and hate and anger being spread and lies and disinformation. And nobody has the capacity right now to sift through that information. You know, everyone's in a very vulnerable place. So I do think that's really good advice. So in terms of your own training now that you're doing or volunteering with mental health, tell us a little bit about that. Uh, Yes. Okay. There's the two organizations that I previously volunteered for. One is Open Heart and one hasn't started their program yet. The one is uh, the one I recently finished my volunteer work is uh, Open Heart Mental Health for Coop or something like that. It's tip of my tongue. I I just forgot. So uh, I study at uh, Counseling Corner. They are quite, how to say? Uh, they are quite famous right now. I think they are one of the pioneers that uh, started focusing and uh, drawing attention to mental health in, in Myanmar, uh, as far as I know. I, uh, before 2018 or something like that, I, I really didn't know any uh, therapists or um, counseling centers in, in Yangon. I, I only know like psychiatrists who like people go, you know, for addiction stuff. That's, that's the only thing I know about mental health. And then there's a place called Yuadai where, you know, psychiatry ward is an asylum, I guess. Uh, that's the only thing I know about mental health, I think, before 2018. And then through Facebook, that's this center called Counseling Corner. I started uh, learning about mental health and they opened training for basic and advanced. I attended those training and then I also took the online course and I started volunteering. Now I have like 50 hours of therapy work. Yeah. And mental health is for now, a lot of people have awareness right now because of COVID. First of all, COVID, when COVID hits, how to say, now what they call Yebozi Ludanza, you know, uh, what people on Facebook saying Yebozi, you know, that's, that's called elite or some upper middle class become aware of mental health when COVID hits. When coup hits, now everyone's aware of mental health. I think that's one of the positive things that you get out of having coup and COVID together. <laughs> it realizes that everyone is now aware of, of mental health issues. It's hit everyone yeah. across the country. I'm just trying to think then, just do you worry about the military just assuming you're a PDF? Because we, you know, we hear them just coming and just taking guys just because they're they're male and they assume they're PDF, yeah. even when they're completely innocent. 
Does that worry you? Yes and no. I worry if they really want me, I cannot do anything. Uh, if it's like uh, just a checkpoint on the road that I come in and going, uh, I'm not afraid they will take me because if they come to my house, of course, that is with intention, right? If I'm just going around, I'm not really afraid of them. Not that I'm not afraid because I, I know myself not to get caught or something, you know? Now I stay indoor mostly. So yeah, if they knock on my door, of course, I will, I will afraid. If it's just going somewhere, I know I'm not afraid. Uh, yeah. And I mean, they could come to your door if, for example, like a bomb went off nearby or, or something that brought them to your area that could take them to your door but otherwise they're unlikely to just come to your house they have no reason. uh yes uh yes that can happen of course that kind of fear is always in our back of our mind because anything can happen anyway but what i was saying is you can't just let your fear win over and like just always hiding or like uh, not doing things that you need to do i don't encourage that kind of like just give up to fear you know yeah of course you fear that but we, you have to be prepared because you can't just hide like every time, you know, you can't just hide forever. That's why. Yeah, it's no existence. Um, but in terms of your podcast, so tell us a little bit. I know that you also had Nikki Diamond on your podcast. Is that correct? Yes. Yes. yes, yes. You've also had Nikki as well. And you have been doing some episodes after the coup as well. But as you say, it's thoughts and opinions. So it's a broad kind of perspective on life. Is that what it's about? Uh, yeah. Yeah. And usually I ask questions because, okay, uh, I want to know things and I want to know their perspective. That's why uh, I started this uh, also and promote like different kind of ways of thinking and free thinking. You know, people are very interesting. People always come and ask. There is a one episode that one I did with singer uh, called Miu Zhuang Miang. He's quite famous in Myanmar. And we talk about UFO and stuff. That episode. Uh, people loved it. Like a lot of people come and say, oh, I've seen this and this is very cool. And, you know, they want more stuff like that because nobody in our country is talking about those kinds of things, I guess. And also I, after, yeah, I did with Nikki, I also did an episode with uh, Motu Ang. He's now a MP of NUG right now. Before he joined NUG, I talked to him before that. And yeah, since Coop happened, I have a lot of episodes. And before Coop, I'm mostly my thing is like music and people from different lives, like businessmen and also wedding planner, those kind of stuff, like different people from different backgrounds. And I just invite them to share their story. And also, even if I invite some famous person like singer or author, I don't talk about their professional life. I talk about what's on their mind, you know. I not directly ask, but I try to pivot the conversation to that kind of direction, like, you know, spirituality, the aliens or other, like, those kinds of stuff, you know, because I love those stuff uh, and conspiracy theories, those kind of stuff, you know. <laughs> It sounds like a fun, a fun podcast and an enjoyable one. Are you, are you hoping to keep going with it? Has it been hard, like, to kind of motivate yourself in these times to kind of keep it going? Uh, yeah, because... I don't want to do those fun stuff that I enjoy doing. I want to, every podcast now I made is right, focus on cultural issues and political issues, more on those topics. I, since Coop happened, I changed the direction a bit because 
My podcast name is very broad. That's why I choose this name. I choose that name because before like internet is available for everyone in our country, we used to go to tea shops and talk about those stuff, you know. Now that didn't happen anymore. And I'm not, I'm not good at typing, posting long posts on Facebook. That's not me. I want to see people in their face and talk to them. That's my kind of thing, you know? So I don't like posting stuff on Facebook. Everyone's using Facebook. That's like, uh, I don't like it. I don't want to type stuff. I'm lazy. (laughs) You know, I'm lazy to type stuff. I feel like because we have you here now, I feel like I can't like not ask you about the UFOs. I feel like I need to ask about that. <laughs> like, tell me about the UFOs. I know it's not about our podcast, but I'm so interested. So I'm going to break this for a minute to hear about UFOs. Just tell me a little bit about that. I'm so interested. Okay. The latest I know is after uh, February 1st, I, I haven't been following closely to new UFO stuff. But before that, what I know is now the US government they didn't deny that there's technology they don't understand, you know. And also they are, how to say, pre-former security advisor to White House or something like that. I don't remember. He also said U.S. government has otherworldly, you know, craft or something like that. The Pentagon also didn't deny that. And also their uh, military, like, captains, commanders are coming out. They have seen this stuff, like, every day they have, like, few hundred sightings. So there are like credible reports that these things exist. So yeah, that's the latest I know. And as far as I know, they started appearing when the Second World War ends. So when we humans started using nuclear weapons, these things started appearing, you know. So I don't know if that's a coincidence or I don't know. And there are instances that they try to shut down nuclear warheads and nuclear plants. So I think they have something to do with nuclear energy because, yeah, they are afraid that we human as a species have these weapons. Probably that's it, I think. Or some people say that they are humans from the future. Nobody knows. But I think they are real. And I'm just curious because when I think about like things like UFOs, I think of America, you know, because that's where the always like the stories come from. Is there any in Asia, like any stories of those kind of sightings in, in Asian culture? Uh, okay. Just as I said before, they have other places where uh, they have nuclear energy sources, like in France or Great Britain or Russia. But I think probably China has some sighting, but Others, Asia countries, I'm not sure because they only focus on nuclear power. That's what I know. That's pretty cool. I hadn't heard that before, but I love a good conspiracy theory. So thanks for <laughs> for sharing your views on that. So yeah, in, yeah. In terms, so yeah, for you then, like, what what is your future now? I mean, I, I imagine it's so uncertain and it must be so difficult. Like, yeah. I'm just wondering, like, are you waiting for the revolution to succeed? Is is everyone kind of standing in limbo, just hoping that the people will win? Or is there a sense of trying to move on now or waiting? Or what situation are most people like you in right now? That's exactly the situation I'm in right now. I am literally torn apart. What, what should I do? Do I, like, just leave everything? You know, people will say, yeah, you should leave everything and join PDF, but there are responsibilities, other responsibilities. It's hard for me to that just leave, you know? Yeah. So 
that's why I understand people that that can you know just leave everything and join um organization. And for me now, I'm like literally like I don't know what should I do. So I hope the revolution will succeed. And if not, there are a lot of people like I believe there are a lot of people like me out there, you know, doing whatever they can to support the movement and also doing whatever they can to take personal responsibility. Yeah, really, really difficult situation. Yeah. So yeah, do you have any friends that are pro-military? Uh, not really, but can say that there are some people like secretly hoping this thing was just die down in my circle. Uh, you can say, yeah, but uh, they are not like openly saying that, but I know because I know them for a long time, whatever, you know. Yeah, there are people like that. You know how earlier you said that, you know, it's awkward walking down the street because you can't be open because people think you might be Dalang. Is it the same, do you think, for the military supporting people? Do they just not speak about it because they know it's not a popular opinion? Yeah, yeah, of course. Just because I think I have like one Facebook friend who is kind of borderline almost pro-military. But other than that, everyone I have spoken to has been very anti and very, you know, this is terrible for our country. It sets us back. You know, they, they make the people starve. They kill them. And I just really don't understand the arguments in support of the soldiers. And it doesn't seem like we're hearing them. And I don't understand what they are. So do you know what what is the reason for supporting the Tamador? What I think is whatever Tamador is doing, it's good for the country. There are people like that. They have this blind faith or blind whatever you call it. But I call that bullshit, uh, you know? They just want, maybe they hate certain people or they hate certain groups of people. That's why they are supporting the military. Or if they see an opportunity like to gain millions of dollars through military, they will support, of course, you know? Other than that, I don't see any people supporting that. And I think like in Myanmar, the military is so tied in with business. Like, I mean, to do business in Myanmar for so long, you have to go through the military. You need their permission. So people who are quite well off will have benefited massively from the military. So while they probably don't support them, they probably don't want to lose their money. And that's, you know, some people are just greedy and they just, you know, they don't want to give up their luxury life and they don't want to give up all their nice things. That can be just the reason they support the military, not actually that they support them, but they just want to hold on to their they're well. Yeah, true. That's why I, if they support them, they have more chance to gain wealth. So they support them. That's how it is for our country since 1988, 1990s. And people are really used to that system. They don't want to change. You know, when the NLD government get elected, a lot of business people say, oh, it's very hard to do business under this government. Of course. Of course, it's very hard to do because you have to do the right way. I'm not saying NLD was perfect. They have corruption. Of course, every government has corruption. But compared to the military government before or compared to Putin's government, NLD was quite transparent, I would say, compared to previous. I'm not saying they are perfect, you know. So they say, oh, it's very hard to do business under the Aung San Suu Kyi government. People that supporting this military government. 
So a lot of people are still supporting, and there are people that support both sides. You know, some business are like bribing the station police, uh, military counterparts, and also supporting and donating to the PDF and the CDMs. Yeah. So there are people like that too that supporting both sides, you know. Do you know any soldiers or any policemen that have defected that have refused to do their job since the coup? Do you, do you know anyone? Personally? I saw a lot in the news, but I don't know anyone personally. But we are seeing a big shift recently in defections, which could be really key to succeeding. It because it does seem like you cannot get rid of the Tatmadaw; it's so big, but you can. Bring them to the other side. It seems a smart move, and there's people doing great work behind the scenes to make that happen. So that's a promising development for sure. Yeah, the soldiers, the police, everyone needs to quit their job. And you know, there's a lyrics in a system of a down a song called BYOB. There's a line: "Presidents never go to war personally. Always the foot soldiers." Generals, they won't, they won't go and fight their own war. You know, if they don't have anybody to send, they just lose. <laughs> yeah, that's a really good point. <laughs> so, in terms, then, I guess, so yeah, of when you're talking about PDFs, and and I understand, especially what you're saying, like not everyone can join the PDFs, and I think that's really important for people to accept. You know, everyone's got to find their own role, but. Just somebody I spoke to just last week, I thought this was so interesting, had been raising money for PDFs and he himself is in the country and he, you know, managed to send money. And he said to the PDFs, I'm hoping to come and join you soon. And uh, I really want to. And the PDF said to him, it's not about what you want. You know, it's about what's best for the revolution. And right now you've got us more money than we would have got without you. And that's more important right now, you know, so even they know that they don't need everybody, you know, they just need everyone to do their part, everyone to yeah, help exactly. where they are. Yeah, I think that's key. Yeah, yes, because to support PDF, we need for, for people to donate money to PDF, the donating people need to work. Without working, they cannot earn money to donate to PDF, you know. Some people have to understand that. And just don't post anything on social media. Just go as usual. Just live your life as usual. Try to be usual and just have that spirit and always have that thought behind you. Like the spirit of the revolution has to be in you. And if you are doing everything in your power to support the movement, that's fine. Just do the best. Don't worry about, you know, not joining the PDF, joining the PDF. That's my view. Yeah. If you can join, that's good. That's best. That's the best option you can do. If you cannot, don't get depressed. Just do the best you can to support the movement. And then, yeah, it's fine, I guess. We do see like people helping in many different ways. Like we saw, you know, in the last week or so, people turning off their CCTV cameras. We saw people giving food you know, or giving safe house or, or giving information. Say yeah. military trucks have just driven past this house and getting that information. All of those are little ways to help and without having to join the PDF, but they're really important ways that you can help. Yeah. That's why I also choose to pursue the mental health thing because that way I can help most of my friends who has joined PDF or there are some people from inside the PDF that seek help for mental health issues. You know, that's why I joined this. Uh, and also, that's really important. If you are not strong uh, mentally, your physical strength won't get you there. 
because physical strength alone won't get you there. You have to be strong mentally to get to the goal that movement is uh, targeted to achieve, you know? Yeah, I think you're right. And I think it's so important. And it's great that you have found something that you can do to help and to give service to others. And I think mental health is, even after all of this, when you think of what it's going to be like for people, how they're going to survive what they've been through, what they've seen, just having people who can offer support in mental health is going to be so, so important. And I think it's something that was missing in previous generations. You know, uh, it's very, yeah. it's very new. You know, it's even new in the West, but it's certainly new in Myanmar. So I think it's going to be critical for people. Yes, yes. Now a lot of people seeking help and talking have, have their like, I don't, I don't want to call it a trend, but it's kind of a trend. <laughs> You know, have their uh, therapist. Oh, I, I'm not free today. I, I have my therapy session or something, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it, it is. I know what you mean. It's popular. <laughs> yeah. Well, there's no shame, which is great. There, you know, at least there's no shame attached to it. Um, people are open about it, which is important because even I find in the West, there's still a lot of shame attached to needing help or asking for help for a lot of people. So. And it's good to break down those barriers and say it's okay to feel bad and it's okay to talk about it. Like, you know, um, I imagine for a lot of you, there's a lot of guilt and a lot of anxiety and all of these different feelings that, you, that you're Yeah, of course. Have. I also have a lot of anxiety these days because uh, all the uncertainty for the future and, you know, also, as you mentioned, guilt. Yeah, before, two months ago, before I started meditating, I was a mess, you know. I was having a lot of guilt before that. And then, yeah, I started meditating and then I get better exercise, you know, very important. Without the stability of your mind, you can work even for the movement. You cannot import anything. You just uh, waste your space or something because you are not importing anything good to yourself or your family or your, your other overall movement. You know, if you are not strong or stable mentally, you cannot do anything. How much your physical health is good or physically strong, you cannot do anything. I found out in a hard way because, you know, that was a lot of guilt. Yeah, thank you for doing this. And yeah, it's really uh, refreshing to, you know, have this kind of independent and new media podcast and everything, like supporting the movement, our people. Yeah, really thank you. Because now the news circle has changed. Nobody, no news is covering Myanmar anymore. No CNN, no nothing. Please keep doing what you're doing. It's really, I think it gives hope to people like, oh, there are people still care outside than us, you know, the people in Myanmar. There are other people that around the world that really care about us, you know, that's something good to have and good to know too. So please do this thing as long as you can. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's good to hear that as well, because you never know when you're going to do something. It's like people will be like, who are you? Why are you talking about this? You know, we're always worried that people might not take it in the good way that we mean it. Um, so it's good to get that reassurance. And like, we will keep going as long as this goes on. Our hope is that not for long. And we always say like, this will be successful when it ends. When the podcast ends means we have had success. You know, the revolution yeah. is over and the people have won. That is our hope. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. We shouldn't take long. And I think because a lot, of, as you know, a lot of like defectors from the military, there are quite a lot. I heard a lot of people are defecting. So I think maybe another six months. I don't know. <laughs> I hope so. hope so.
Yeah, but I, I feel more hopeful the last few weeks. The information on the ground seems to be that's coming through from trusted people. There's a lot of momentum, you know, and people. Yeah, 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 yeah. It seems positive. Yeah. Even, even if it doesn't make the normal news, I think if you're talking to people who know and, and PDFs, you will see there is a, it's good. It's just, there's always the worry that the military is going to like really attack one area really bad. I guess. That's and now they are more coordinated. That's why I said it's stupid to do this. Meanwhile, is really stupid. <laughs> you know, he's really stupid. I don't know why he did this. Even some people who are a big supporter of previous governments like Dan Shui or Deng Xing, those people are really, at the start, they didn't say anything, but now they are starting to express their, you know, feelings. They really don't like this situation because they cannot control the military, cannot control the economy. That's when things change, I see, because when dollar rate hit 2000 plus, I know it's a, it's a very good chance we're going to win because when the money is involved, they, they will show their colors, you know, people like that, they will show their colors. Yeah. And as you say, those people who are like, you know, driving the military, but giving money to this, like they're keeping their options open, you know, and as they see the military looking weaker and weaker and their money disappearing, they will start to side with the people. Yeah. For yeah. their own interest. Yeah. Yeah, of course. That's where it goes, you know, interest. People, when they have interest, they will. That's why, um, yeah, last few months back on Clubhouse, the, the MP I mentioned, Mo Tong, he, he said, if we can create, uh, enough interest for the people who are on the, you know, sitting on the fence, we have a chance to win this. Now the situation is pushing for those people to jump on the people's side, you know? And uh, so, yeah, if you had a message for people in Myanmar now, nine months into the coup, what message would you give to the people? Just as I mentioned before, uh, you have to be strong mentally to get to the federal democratic Myanmar. We have to be very strong and we need to have a lot of empathy and understanding and we have to be brave and don't be afraid to be vulnerable or like to admit your fears. Even when we win, okay, revolution has succeeded. We have removed military. I think that's the easy part from here because I thought it will be harder because some people are saying, oh, this is going to take, uh, this is not going to, I don't lose hope. You know, the thing is, if you pay attention to what's happening on the ground and everywhere politically, you know, international politics or whatever. I think the people have a very good chance of getting rid of the military. It's, it's very high, very good chance. But what I'm most afraid is after when we remove a common threat, there are a lot of stuff that needs to be worked between all the stakeholders in the country, I think. Yeah. So you have to be prepared for the long run. Some people are saying, okay, if the military is removed, it's over. No, no, no. It's not true. To, to get to the federal democracy, there are a lot of stuff we have to do along the way. And also the message will be prepare your body and your mind for the long run because nation building is not an easy thing. Thank you for listening to Arnar Podcast. You can follow us on all major social media platforms. 
it's at Arnar Podcast, spelled A-H-N-A-H. Please like, follow and subscribe. Myanmar remains in our hearts and thoughts. We have not forgotten you. Let's keep the conversation going.